Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, John Davis, alongside several of my tribe. More on those guys later. We're filling in for your friend and ours, Bart Sheridan. With us on the podcast this week is Pastor Daniel Ackerman. He's going to discuss with us his most recent sermon from Matthew 6, 19-34, as well as we have a few other questions for him that we're curious about when it comes to student ministry here at Grace. Friend, welcome. Thanks, John. It's good to be here. Yeah, and J.D. Pham, thanks for assisting us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dad. Thanks. Yeah. All right, Dan, we've spent the bulk of the fall in the Sermon on the Mount. Would you remind us of the context of Christ's teaching at this point in his ministry? Yes. So Jesus has just really begun his public ministry. So in verse, or chapters 1 to 4 of the Gospel of Matthew, we see Jesus born. We see John the Baptist preparing the way for him. We see Jesus being prepared himself by being tempted in the wilderness and then baptized, um, or should say baptized then, tempted in the wilderness. And then he begins his ministry. And the Sermon on the Mount in many ways is the the summary, uh, the encapsulation of really all that Jesus is trying to teach in his whole ministry. So it starts off in this way, I think, to give us an idea of what's going to be coming later in the Gospel of Matthew, mm-hmm. and to summarize some of the key points that Jesus is is teaching in his ministry. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, it begins uh, with, obviously, the Beatitudes, very famous part of the sermon where Jesus gives us a picture of what the blessed life looks like. And then he moves on into like, how does this blessed life that we are called to live, how is that going to impact the world and those who are watching? And ideally the result of living the blessed life, the flourishing life, is that Jesus says in verse 16 of chapter 5 that other people may see our good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Then Jesus goes on to talk about, so what are these good works? Are these the good works that like the law has has talked about, uh, the law of Moses has has given to us? And Jesus says, yes, but, but I have also come to fulfill the law and prophets. And I've come to not give them a new meaning, but to, I think, unpack the the original intent of the law, which was simply to to love God and to love others. And people during this time had... Uh, morphed and changed and twisted the law in such a way that they were only following God's law with their hands and not with their hearts. So that's what Jesus addresses in much of the rest of chapter 5, where he touches on a number of things such as anger, lust, divorce, uh, oath-taking, and so on. And he identifies in each one how these these were uh, areas of the law that people were following but they weren't doing so with with necessarily right motives. And that's why Jesus talks in the beginning of chapter 6 about these three other areas of following the law, such as giving of your money, of praying, and of fasting. And the at issue there was a warning from Jesus to not do those things for the wrong reasons, which would be to do them in order to be seen by others. And when we do those things in order to be seen by others, we are proving then that we are not actually worshiping the Lord, but we're worshiping ourselves. And that really is an introduction to the next part of chapter six, where Jesus then warns us not to be worshipers of ourselves and also not to be even worshipers of money because we cannot worship two masters. Uh, We can only 
uh, truly worship one master. And, and the call that Jesus gives in the rest of chapter 6 is to worship and to serve the Lord your God alone. Because if we try to live a life where we're worshiping ourselves and in the rest of chapter 6 worshiping money or all the things that money can buy, uh, we are going to have a split life which is going to lead to a number of different issues that we have to deal with. And the pr- predominant one that he mentions here is is worry. Um, so that's where we're at in the sermon at this point. And I'll let Pastor Tim talk about you know chapter 7 and the rest of that. Things to come. Yes. All right, so you put the spotlight then this week on laying up treasures in heaven. And as part of that, you, you urged us to seek God's kingdom and righteousness through sacrifice and submission. Okay, help us understand how this looks practically in our day-to-day life. I think I'm particularly thinking of the phrasing you used of bless and divest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a catchy phrase, isn't it? Yeah, like, it was good. Well, I'm always looking for the Easter eggs. Tim yeah. is good at dropping the little Easter eggs. I yep. actually have this running thing with a, a friend where we'll, we'll compare notes at the, end of the sem- at the end of the service and say, all right, what'd you grab? What'd you grab? So thank you. That was the one that we caught out of cool. that. We were like, we, we got nothing else, but that was it. So That's thank great. you. Yeah, to... Yeah, bless others by divest, divesting yourself of mm. of your excess and even the things that like you hold you hold dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in the context of chapter six, this is something I even kind of wrestled with as I was preparing this message. Is Jesus really is only talking about like physical tra- like money, mm-hmm. wealth, possessions? Um, so I, I tried to keep. A lot of my at least illustrations or examples focus predominantly on like how we can use our money to further God's kingdom, to to help others, to care for others. Um, and there's this the, the good thing about podcasts is you can dig a little bit deeper yeah, uh, into some of those examples. So uh, I guess I would start by answering that question with just a reminder that when I say that we are sacrificing our money, our possessions, whatever it is, I think it's always good to remember of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that, mm-hmm. well, he really asks a question, what do we have that we did not receive? Mm-hmm. Um, all that we have been given in this life, whether material resources or uh, relationships, all those things have been g- given graciously by God. And God has called us then out of response to the grace that he has shown us and for, for our own good and for the good and joy of others to not necessarily sacrifice, but to share what has been given. Um, and that's not to say that it's not going to feel like a sacrifice. Like if you give a thousand dollars and you only have 2000 to your name, like that's going to feel like a sacrifice uh, and it's going to feel like a loss. So it's not to minimize that, but it's, I think it's just a good reminder that everything that we have, everything that's been given to us um, is from the Lord. And it's then our, our duty and our responsibility and our joy to to give and to divest ourselves of what has already been given to us. So there's a number of different, and mm-hmm. you can maybe help me even think some yeah. some illustrations and examples of how we could do this. But when I think specifically of, you know, how can we use our money mm-hmm. to to care for others, to bless others, to um, to help them in a time of need. I mean, th- it can be something even as uh, as simple as paying for someone's meal. Yeah. Um, I I know there have been times in my life where uh, people have either anonymously or um, just as I'm out to uh, eat with them have paid for a meal, uh, and it's not that like I haven't been able to pay for that meal myself. 
Uh, but it's been an act of kindness that someone has shown me that has encouraged me and even at times reminded me of the Lord's care and provision for me. Uh, I don't think I've ever been out to eat with my parents where I've had to pay, yeah. um, which was not always the case for them. Like, sure. gr- like when they were uh, a young family, like they did not have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen the Lord's work, even in my dad's life, to to not allow for both my brother and I, but even many others that he goes out to eat with or yeah. sees himself with an opportunity to serve through giving financially. Um, he does that really well. So he's an example to me in that way. Um, obviously, I mean, we, we can give money to a local church and to, to missionaries and to mission efforts such as the harvest offering. And I think maybe one way that we can be, uh, intentional about how we use that. It's, it's easy to just, you know, set up an automatic payment that's yeah. drawn once a month. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think, especially maybe even for college students, people who are first starting uh, their careers and are starting to earn some more money, as they look at their budget, what's going to be their monthly income, even their yearly income, not waiting to the very end to decide how they're going to use what's left over to give and to care for others, but planning even their budget around how how am I going to begin by being generous with, with what I have, and then beyond that, then begin to care for my own needs and my own interests and hobbies. Um, so I think even intentionally looking at, at your budget and deciding on maybe a percentage that you're going to give, whether it's 5%, 15 um, whatever is best for your family, I think that's a, a helpful a way as well. I think of not only just money, because not everyone just has like spare money <laughs> that, that they can use and they have real needs that uh, they need to take care of first, whether it's medical bills, uh, just groceries, like... Um, I think of like being able to share your possessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only money, but the things that money can buy. And, I, and there have been a number of people in this church who have shared possessions with me. Um, mm-hmm. I have built many things by borrowing stuff from Matthew Criso. Yeah, um, uh, you know, we've, we've moved by getting to borrow your trailer, John. Yeah. So, uh, there's there's been people in this church who have shared their possessions with us who have not held on to the things that they own so tightly that they're obsessive over it mm-hmm. and they don't want to make sure it gets broken but but they're willing to risk their possessions to help others who are in need. You can share your food, share your home, um, be willing to invite people into your home uh, and incur any damages that maybe little kids cause when they come into your home. Uh, but there are ways in which like we can share and use what God has given us that, th- that isn't just writing a check, right? Mm-hmm. Even moving beyond that, we can share our time. Yeah, uh, I, was we gonna, can... I was gonna ask about that. I was gonna say, is there, is there room in, in this teaching to say, is, is Christ also saying, hold loosely to the things that I've asked you to steward on my behalf, including your time and your talent? Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, Jesus is, I mean, Jesus is saying, uh, that we are not to, to be people who necessarily do all these perfect, exact right things, but that we are to be people who have hearts that are willing mm. uh, to serve, that are willing to give if the opportunity arises. And I think, yeah, one of the ways that we give is we give of our skills mm. and of our talents. Uh, I know of you know men in this church who have used uh, skills of carpentry to to build things for Sayota Hills, who have used, uh, you know, roofing experience to put on roofs at Sayota Hills, um, who've used uh, their uh, talents to, to build things that the student ministry needs. Uh, I think of 
some people like I know for Bree, when we just had um, our our last baby Malachi about six months ago, uh, there there were women in this church who used their time and their energy to come and to clean our home and to do dishes. Mm, and uh, that's time that they're giving that they could be using for something else. And they, they gave up their convenience and their own comfort to care for us in that way. Yeah. So many, so many ways that we can shepherd and steward well the time, talent and treasure the Lord gives us. Mm-hmm. Okay. You hinted at this a little bit earlier. The wording in Matthew six twenty four says you cannot serve God and money. Mm-hmm. All right, press in on this a little bit more for us as we think about the connection between wealth and worry. So, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, toward the, the very end, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll start first. In chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says in verse 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And you read those and you think, okay, well, that's impossible. Um, And perhaps you take the interpretation of, well, Jesus is giving all these commands uh, because he knows we can't keep them and he wants us to just trust him instead. And I think there's, there's some truth to that too, but I think Jesus is also saying like, you actually need to do some of these things. Because if he just wanted us to, you know, feel bad and just trust him, he would have, the Sermon on the Mount would just say, like, you stink. (laughs) Like, just trust in Jesus, you can't do it. But he says all of these things because, again, he wants us to be a certain type of person. And the type of person he wants us to be is undivided. He wants us to be whole disciples. So even in verse 48 of chapter 5, when he says, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, that word teleos or teleos is like whole complete and unified so jesus is saying like we need to be whole complete unified people again with hearts and hands that are serving one purpose and serving one master so the scribes and pharisees they did good deeds that looked like worship of god but was really just to elevate themselves so the greater righteousness that jesus is calling us to is to have our hearts and our actions aligned to serving one master. Uh, so the connection then between our wealth and our worry is our worship, mm. right? So if we want to worship God by giving all of our resources to him and to his will, uh, while also wanting to use our resources to serve ourselves, there is going to be like a tension and, and a division in our hearts. So it's it's like if you're you know walking into a grocery store or a restaurant and you only have $20, and you see a homeless man on the street who who needs that money for something else. You feel a tension within you of just like, I could give this to you, but I really want my Moose Tracks ice cream, or I really <laughs> want this good cereal that I'm going to get. So like, there's a tension within you when you're presented with an opportunity to serve and care for others, and in doing so, like serving God or serving our own uh, interests and needs. And that's not to say Moose Tracks is a bad thing, but... You know, we feel that tension within us when we have these two options presented for us. So we won't, I think, give as much as we are capable of if we have a hyper obsession with feeling secure Mm -hmm. with our financial status or our financial resources. We're not going to be people who who even look for opportunities to give um, because we're going to be so divided within ourselves that we're trying to serve both God and serve, you know, uh, 
whether it's our pension or retirement accounts, whatever, we're trying to serve all these things. Um, and we're just going to feel split. And I think the worry comes in when we are genuinely trying to serve God and we are giving up our resources, we're giving up our money and we start to feel it. Like we start to, to see the bank account dwindle or we start to see that, you know, our grocery budget is, is taking a hit. Uh, because we're we're having people over and we're serving in this way, like we feel the tension, and the the danger is that we can begin to worry that God is going to provide for us. Mm. Um, so to be a, a a whole undivided worshiper of God is to be able to follow His will and follow His desires for us wholly, without forgetting that He still cares for us and He's going to provide for us. And I mentioned this in the sermon, but that that provision that God provides isn't necessarily going to be a stable paycheck or a stable job. It, it may not be, you know, the upper middle class or the middle class, whatever, you know, we, we define as, you know, a standard of living even. Uh, oftentimes God uses suffering and periods of, of not having and of withholding to draw us closer to him. And, and those are seasons in which God has said, you actually need this uh, more than what you think that you need. Um, I think worry is almost always the result of misplaced worship. Mm -hmm. So even moving beyond like wealth, we can think like if we're worried about our appearances, Mm. then we're going to be worried about like our bodies. We're going to think, you know, am I overweight? Does my hair look good? Will people make fun of me for the clothes that I have on and so and so on and so forth. And we, we have this worry in relation to our bodies and even the way that we present ourselves. If we worship ourselves, we're going to worry about our reputation, right? Mm -hmm. What is this person going to think of me? What did that comment that they said, what did that, were they, you know, making fun of me or Mm -hmm. do my friends really like me? We're going to have all these thoughts and worries about even our social status that is going to point back to a worship of something other than the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, if you don't mind, I want to take a, a little bit of a turn in the conversation here and spend a few moments hearing from those who've patiently been waiting over in the corner there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know you have a love for student ministry, and mm-hmm. uh, I'd love uh, to have uh, my uh, my tribe here. Uh, a few of my favorite people in the world, uh, they've grown uh, in their faith as a result of your faithful teaching and mentoring, so thank mm-hmm. you for that. For that. Um, I thought it'd be fun, uh, fun for them to get in on this podcast action a little bit and ask a few questions. So Jesse, I think we're going to come to you first. You're in ninth grade, and this is your first year in senior high. Yep. What I want to know is, do you miss junior high? I miss... I am. I'm listening, Jesse. <laughs> I miss you a little bit. Okay. Oh, but, wow. Um, just a little bit, just, though. <laughs> so you, you brought a question, right, Jesse? What was your yeah. question, Professor Dan? So my question for you, Mr. Ackerman, was how should someone like me without a job or an income respond to this message and to your this passage yeah that's a great question yeah because i can imagine there would be maybe middle schoolers or high schoolers or even college students who are listening to the message and they're thinking wow that's that's great you know pastor daniel but i have like five (laughs) dollars and it's because my mom gave it to me or something (laughs) like that i mean i so i have been there before um i think this goes back to maybe in something we were talking about just a little bit ago about um we're using we can share our possessions so i mean there are things that like 
uh, Jesse, like that you, you perhaps own or you've made that you're able to share with others. And I think that could point to, um, even like a heart that is willing to give. So even if, you know, you don't, you're not in the stage of life or season of life where you're, you're like, I have all this money to give away and to help others. I think still the way that you use your possessions and use your skills and abilities right now can be a way in which like you're, you're starting to practice and build the habit of being a generous person when it comes to like finances in the future. But I think that means like, Jesse, you've been an awesome example to me because there have been times when like I've needed help with something in the student ministry, whether it's been uh, moving some stuff in the ablaze room when we were painting it and doing some stuff in there. Like you came with a couple of buddies and you used your energy and the time that you had to, to serve our church and to serve the student ministry uh, by, by using your strength to move some heavy stuff. And I think, you know, anyone who is in a position where they don't have money, but they maybe have more time, like a lot of, a lot of kids have more time than a normal adult would have, being able to use the time that they have to, to care for others, uh, whether it's to be involved in youth group or coming to church, uh, doing all those great things, but also finding time outside of the normal youth group gatherings uh, to help and to serve others, whether it's mowing someone's yard, mm. um, picking up sticks for, you know, maybe the old lady down the road who can't do it herself. Uh, there's there's any number of opportunities that, that you can use to, you know, it's kind of like working out. Like mm-hmm. you you need to start like lifting and start small before you can get to the heavier weights. And I think a lot of ways we need to look for the small opportunities to be generous and to use our skills and abilities and time to help others so that when we're, when the Lord gives us more responsibilities and more resources in the future, we've kind of built up that endurance to where giving a certain amount of money or giving a possession uh, is not as much of a burden or sacrifice for us. So Jesse, what he's saying is you need to start working out. That's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah that was <laughs> a little hint. That's yeah. right. You, you need to start, start working out. Oh, all right, Jules. You're in sixth grade and this is your first year in junior high. Big changes for you. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. You enjoy it? Yeah. All right. Good. You too have a question for Pastor Dan. What's your question? So what is one thing you would add to the message that you didn't have time to add before? That is a great question. And I'm sure... If you ask probably most people who preach a message, they'll probably say something like, I didn't get to say as much as I wanted to say. Or sometimes you'll have pastors, and maybe you've experienced this before, and I'm not going to throw Pastor Tim on the bus. But sometimes they'll maybe go a little longer because there's just so much good stuff to talk about. Uh, but I totally feel uh, the the question and, and uh, I think one of the things I, I wish I would have been been able to talk about more was some more concrete examples of like what we're doing now of what it what it could look mm. like to give of our our finances and our resources to help and to care for others and also to to think about more some of the worries that different people in different stages of life are dealing with when it comes to their financial state. So some advice I got before I preached this message, Jules, was from. Um, Tom Hutchison, Hutch, and he had encouraged me. He said, hey, you know, people worry about any number of different things. And, you know, you're, Daniel, only in your late 20s. So there's some things that that you aren't worried about that other people in the congregation are worried about. So 
you should talk to some people who are older and hear about some of the things that they're worried about when it comes to their financial state. So this came out a little bit when I mentioned, uh, you know, there, there are people in the congregation who have parents who are, mm-hmm. who are older and need to be cared for. And I, I still don't even know fully the types of worries that come along with that, but there are people in our church who are trying to either pay for a retirement home or pay for like medical care for their parents there. I know of a family that's like redoing part of their basement so that their family can move, their parents can move in with them. So they're, they're just worries that like I wasn't aware of, uh, mostly just based off my life experience too, that I, I wish I would have even maybe talked to more people and I got some more ideas of what some of those worries are so that I could have incorporated that more into the sermon. And then I also wish maybe I could have given some more, again, concrete examples of maybe even ways that people have have used their money and their wealth and their possessions to bless me. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of it will come down to some of like the application and illustration type things because um, there's always so much that you can say, but I think what we always want to make sure we're spending time with as preachers of God's word is making sure that the people walk away with knowing how is this going to impact their life and how, how can they respond appropriately to it. Dan, thanks. Just so, so grateful for your faithfulness to the word and just for letting us hang out with you this afternoon. What yeah. a sweet joy. I think I'm going to close with Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, mm. and uh, we'll call it another podcast. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then the two sweetest words in Scripture. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Friends, it's been good to be back with Pastor Dan uh, Ackerman for this week's episode of Digging Digging Deeper in Grace. We've been discussing his recent sermon from Matthew 6, 19-34. You can access any of Grace's sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org gracecedarville.org, and then simply click on the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week. You can do that by emailing them to us at contact at gracecedarville.org. That's grace, contact at gracecedarville.org. Well, plan to join us again for our next installment of Digging Deeper in Grace. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode. God bless and keep growing in grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.